Well, if you have a Bible, and I hope you or somebody around you does that you can look on with, let me invite you to open with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, feel free to use table of contents if you need to to find Luke. It's the third book in the New Testament, and chapter 2. As you're turning, I want to welcome those of you in Arlington and Montgomery County and Loudoun and Prince William, as well as those of you online who can't be with us in person. It's really good to be together, all together around God's Word. And we especially want to welcome you if you are visiting with us. We are really, really glad that you're here. We're in week two of a series leading up to Christmas called The Sound of Hope, where we're thinking together each Sunday, and we'll do the same on Christmas Eve, about the biblical foundations of a specific Christmas song that we're likely familiar with. And then after we see the biblical foundations for that song, we're singing it together and doing original recordings for you to download at mclanebible.org slash Christmas and listen to during the week, as well as making a Christmas devotional available. Hopefully you've picked one of those up. You can do that today if you haven't at any one of our locations, the devotional that goes along with these songs and scriptures that we're looking at and have activities for individuals, families, kids to do together. So all that you can pick up today or you can download that at mclanebible.org slash Christmas. So last week we looked at and sang together, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I was talking with a wife and mom in our church family a few days ago who had a a mammogram that had caused some alarm and she was going in for a follow-up procedure and testing on Friday with all the tension that involves. And she said in the middle of the week, uh, she told me last night one of my kids reminded me to rejoice because Emmanuel, God, is with us. And she had written... uh, some of the words of the song on their family's message board in their house. And that same child also told her that she had left off the exclamation point behind rejoice (laughs) and she needed to add it. I obviously don't know what thousands of you are walking through right now, but God does. And I know that he was speaking last week through his word and I believe he's about to speak to us right now through his words. Let me just pause briefly and pray. Fix our attention on him together. God, please speak to each of us now through your word and show us the reason we have to sing a song like this. And we pray that you would help us, help some of us to sing in really hard times and some of us to sing to you maybe for the first time truly today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's start, much like we did last week, by reading the song for today. So, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing. Which, let's be honest, from the beginning, is not the way we talk. Hark, who says that? What does that even mean? Pretty much nobody says that today, but it means to listen or pay close attention to something. So maybe let's try that out this week. Let's look for opportunities just to work hark into our everyday conversations. (laughs) Hark, kids, I'm trying to talk to you. Hark, honey, I'm trying to share my heart with you. 
Hark, boss, it's time for you to listen to me. Maybe not that last one. Hark, and you notice the exclamation point. Hark, the herald, not the name, but another word we don't often use. It means to declare or announce something. So let's try that this week. Maybe teenagers here at the end of this semester, you bring home a paper or a test and be like, Mom, Dad, I herald good news of a great grade to you. <laughs> or, or maybe I herald not so good news of a not so great grade to you, but hopefully referencing the sermon on Sunday will soften the blow as you see what it is. So the good news is, as weird as this language sounds, it's actually not as weird as the original lyrics, which said, hark how all the Welkin rings. No, Welkin was not a character in The Hobbit or Middle Earth, but a word that referred to heaven when this poem was written in 1739 by Charles Wesley, one of the founders of Methodism who wrote thousands of songs to teach theology, he wrote this poem one year after he came to faith in Christ. And he wrote it to be read on Christmas Day. And then about 15 years later, a friend of Wesley's named George Woodfield, another famous preacher, adapted the poem into the song we know today. And Whitfield got rid of the welkin, thank you, George, and he added other phrases, including the reference to the newborn king. And in the end, it was put to a tune that Mendelssohn had actually composed to celebrate the 400th anniversary of Gutenberg's printing press. It's pretty amazing, some of the history here. And then Mariah Carey took it from Mendelssohn, and the rest is history. <laughs> so in all seriousness, let's read it out loud together. And remember, try to put some emphasis when you see an exclamation point. And then I want to show you the reasons we have to sing a song like this in our lives today based on God's word. So here we go. Let's say it out loud, all of our locations together. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. One more verse. Hail the heaven born prince of peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark, the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn king.
aren't those rich lyrics? Just like last week. There's so much we could explore here that it's not possible to do in one morning. But I want you to see that the big picture behind this song is based on the passage you have in front of you in God's Word. Luke chapter 2, specifically verses 8 through 14. So last week, if you were here, you know, the, we saw the first thing Matthew told us about after Jesus' birth was the visit of some wise men, not necessarily three, I don't know how many there were, from far off nations a while after Jesus was born. But Luke, in his account of Jesus' birth, immediately keeps us focused on that night. So pick up in verse 7, where we read that Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So that's the birth of Jesus. Then right after that, verse 8, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So the first thing Luke tells us about is an angel, this angelic messenger making an announcement, saying to these shepherds in a field, here's good news of great joy for all the people. And here's the good news. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Then suddenly that angel is joined by a multitude of the heavenly hosts, like an army of angels, saying which is interesting, the Bible doesn't actually say they sang. So hark, the herald angels sing. May be true, but maybe not. I think it's safe to assume it's possible that this sounded at least like a song. But it really is a heralding, a declaration saying two things, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So what I want to do today is I want us to think about what these angels were heralding. And even, even this week as I was just meditating on this passage, and I'm, I'm going to take a little creative license here, but I'm pretty sure I'm in bounds biblically. I just started thinking about the scene, not just from the shepherd's perspective, but from the perspective of these angels, these messengers sent by God with something so amazing to declare. Just imagine that. Like the one angel who got tapped by God for this assignment. How awesome is that? God's entrance into the world, in the flesh, Jesus, the creator coming to creation, fulfilling hundreds of years of promises. Now it's happening. And God says, I want you to make the announcement. What an honor. 
I, I, was, uh, I was preaching two Sundays ago back at the church where I grew up and came to faith in Christ and was baptized, where I preached my first sermon. And as we drove into the parking lot, like all these memories just rushed back. It was so overwhelming. I remember the first time the pastor there asked me to preach in big church. So I, I'd preached in like a youth service before, but this was big church on a Sunday night. I was in high school and so nervous. And I can't believe what I'm about to share. I'm a little ashamed of it. But so I played high school sports and we, we always got pumped up for a game listening to some kind of music. So I'm driving to the church to preach that night, and I'm like, I'm ready to get pumped up. So I turn around one of my favorite pump-up songs, which was Right Now by Van Halen. Like, you know, right now, hey, it's your tomorrow. It's everything. So anyway, it's got killer music. <laughs> I remember, remember pulling up into the parking lot, and I was finishing out this song just blaring in my car, and one of the head deacons in the church, I walked by and kind of looked at me concerned, as he should have. Like, you, don't, you don't listen to Van Halen to get pumped up to preach God's word. So anyway, back to the point. Can you imagine the holy adrenaline pumping through these angelic veins when you step forward from heaven to herald, to proclaim these words, like this message, like get it right. This Angel says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Hark, listen to that declaration. Like, I, I've prayed that in this moment right now that you would, wherever you are right now, that you would hear this declaration either like really hear it for the first time, or maybe in a fresh way, like this angel is heralding it to you from heaven to you right where you're sitting. Unto you. Huh. Unto you, shepherds. And not just them, right? It's for all the people, without exception. I love this scene. These lowly shepherds in a field. Who are they to be the first to hear this news? God's making a point here. Jesus had not come ultimately for the high and mighty, but for the low and unlikely, even for the dirty and undeserving. In other words, for you and me. Amen. To all of us, unto you. Like right where you are sitting, right now, to the young and the old, to the rich and the poor, to the religious and the irreligious, to the single and the married, to the straight, gay, lesbian, trans, or otherwise, to you, to the Christian, to the Muslim, to the Hindu, to the atheist, to the agnostic. It does not matter who you are. It does not matter how you identify yourself. It does not matter what you have done or what has been done to you. God is declaring through this angel, he has come to you, for you. Amen. Now you hear this, not just the person beside you, in front of you, behind you. God sees you. God desires you. God pursues you. God sends an angel to announce to you, I am for you. Amen. That's just 
unto you is born this day. So this real day that we celebrate in history, not some mythological imaginary day, but a real day to which every day before then was pointing unknown years of history anticipating this day when a real governor named Quirinius was leading Syria and a real emperor in Rome named Caesar Augustus decreed that everyone should be registered, meaning a man and a woman named Joseph and Mary just so happened to need to travel to Bethlehem, the city of King David, a real city, just like District of Columbia or Vienna or Ashburn or Rockville or Manassas, a real city, about 5,907 miles away from here, give or take a few miles, where it was prophesied centuries before that a Savior would be born. And this is where this herald angel takes things to a whole other level. Because this angel is declaring to the world, you are sinners, all of you. All of us have rebelled against God, have turned aside from God and his ways to ourselves and our own ways, and all of us stand guilty before God, deserving of eternal judgment. And this angel is saying, today is a different day, because to a world of sinners, on this day, a Savior has been born. The one who can save you from your sins, save you from eternal judgment. This is the one sinful humanity has been waiting for. A Savior who is the Christ, Jesus Christ. Remember, Christ is not his last name. It means Messiah or the promised one. I picture it like, it's like this angel is saying, I remember, I watched when man and woman were tempted by the serpent in the garden and took that piece of fruit and ate it and sin entered the world and darkness came in and I remember in that moment when God said I promise to bring someone from the offspring of woman who will crush that serpent and now he's saying the serpent crusher is here this angel remembers when God spoke through Isaiah a virgin will give birth to a son His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That was promised. The angel's declaring now, the Prince of Peace is here. The Wonderful Counselor is here. The Mighty God has come. A Savior is born who is Christ the Lord. Now this angel doesn't just look back to Isaiah's prophecy, doesn't just look back to God's promise to Adam and Eve. This angel looks back to the beginning of it all to the Lord who spoke and a world came into being. You remember the video, either hearing about it, some of you may have seen it, when it was first broadcast on Christmas Eve, 1968. At that time, it was the most watched broadcast of all time from the Apollo 8 spacecraft. Man's first journey to the moon when three astronauts sent back this message on Christmas Eve. Watch this with me. Guys, 
is heralding that the Lord who spoke and light appeared who spoke and the earth and the moon and the planets and stars were formed the Lord who did that is here He has come to save you from your sin, to fulfill all of his promises to you, and to give you life under his lordship. Now it makes sense to sing, joyful all you nations rise, join the triumph of the skies with angelic hosts proclaim, Christ the Christ is born in Bethlehem. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ what? The everlasting Lord. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, deity in the flesh. Please, as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, God with us. Hark, listen to this. Pay attention to this because this changes everything. And this is reason to sing, to shout, to proclaim, which is exactly what happens. So suddenly... Suddenly, right after that, imagine the scene. All of a sudden, this one angel is joined by a multitude of the heavenly host. And I don't know, so this is totally conjecture. But I'm just imagining this included all of them. I'm just picturing nobody on the bench for this one. Like, all hands on deck. Like, not a few, not a hundred or a thousand. What the Bible refers to in Revelation as myriads and myriads 
of them. Picture a host of angels stretching from horizon to horizon across the sky in resplendent color. John Milton imagined the helmed cherubim and sordid seraphim in glittering ranks with wings displayed. The stars with deep amaze stand fixed in steadfast gaze. And all at once they lift their voices to God in cosmic stereo. Glory to God in the highest, they say. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So write this down. In Luke 2.14, on this day when Jesus was born, these angels heralded two declarations that change everything about each one of our lives for all of eternity. So one, these angels herald that God is worthy of all your glory. These angels were declaring to shepherds then and to all people, including you and me today, God is not merely worthy of your religious motion. He's certainly worthy of more than your nominal association or casual devotion. God is worthy of your entire life spent praising and worshiping and exalting him. That's what glory means. Means to exalt, to praise, to worship, honor, bless, adore, to love God. Teenagers, this is the purpose of your life. This is where true life is found in loving God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. College students and young adults, singles and married couples, families, parents, grandparents, senior adults, all the way down to the youngest child. These angels are shouting, God is worthy of all your glory. To love him with all you have is truly life. And anything less than that is not to live. I was talking with my teenage sons after the rock this last Wednesday night here at Tyson's, which is so encouraging, by the way. It is happening right now in the rock. Here at Tyson's, other locations, teenagers don't miss out. But their discussion around the table Wednesday night was, is it better to serve God now or to live it up in this world now and then serve God later? And I I just want to add on to what was said here on Wednesday night and say that is a good and honest and absurd question to ask. It's all three. It's a good question. We need to ask it. And it's honest because we do ask it. And not just teenagers. Scores of adults in this gathering right now are putting off absolute radical devotion to God. Fine with casual, nominal, tack on Jesus to the pursuit of a lot of things in this world. And thinking, in the end, in heaven, I'll serve God fully. So I'm the best of both worlds. But that's just it. Though the question is good and honest, 
It is absurd to think that the best of this world is found in ignoring or giving anything less than your all to the God who created this world and you. Like, how absurd for created people to sit around talking about the Creator who knows you and loves you and knows what is best for you, has designed you personally, who desires your everlasting good and who knows how to bring it about, who promises to make it a reality, to sit around and discuss, should we follow Him who knows how to save and ultimately satisfy us, or should we follow a world that will never ultimately satisfy us? And which do I go with? Ultimate life and eternal satisfaction or ultimate emptiness and eternal death? Let's discuss. <laughs> like even the idea that we can live it up in this world and serve God later is absurd. Like one, this world will not lead to us living it up. That is a lie straight from the adversary. It's as old as Genesis 3, and you're being sold it, I'm being sold it every single day this week and every single message we receive around us. Don't buy it. Don't believe it. It's a lie. It leads to emptiness. It leads to death. And then even the idea that later, and not one of us in this gathering today is guaranteed any later, no matter how young or old you may be. Not one of us is guaranteed to make it to the end of this service. And right now, God, your creator, my creator, our creator has come to us in love for you, unto you, to save you and to satisfy you forever with himself. The only response to this creator is to say, everything I have is yours. Everything. Yes, God, here's my life. Here's my plans, here's my dreams, here's my relationships, here's my family, here's my future. Have it all. I want to live it up for your glory. This is, this is life, teenagers. Don't buy anything less than this life. This is life, ladies and gentlemen. This is why C.S. Lewis said, we are foolish creatures, half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy has been offered us, like ignorant children who go on making mud pies in a slum because they cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. Then he says these words. He says, we are far too easily pleased. He's saying, you want to live it up in this world? It's not because your desires are too strong. It's because your desires are too weak. It takes so little to please and satisfy you. You're making mud pies in a slum. You've been offered something eternal and everlasting and full and abundant. Like, go for that. Live it up for the glory of God. Now it makes sense. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. This is beautiful. Mild he lays his glory by. He put his glory aside so that you could experience his joy in his glory. Mild he lays his glory by. Born so that you may no more die born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth, born to give them new life. Jesus has come to give you new life. So live it up in them. 
And not just you, this is for everybody, everywhere. Joyful all you, nations rise, join the triumph of the sky. So herald this to the nations, let the nations be glad in God. A people who know this life can't keep this life to themselves. Now we herald this good news to all the peoples. And glory be to God for members of this church who have we're not going to be celebrating Christmas in the comforts here with us this year because they've gone out and they've moved to other nations for the spread of the gospel where the name and the good news of Jesus have not yet been known. I was recording messages for them just last week, just saying to them, like, we love you, we're with you, we're behind you, we're for you as you herald this good news among the nations. Glory to God in the highest. And, so that's just the first declaration, and peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. So second declaration from the herald angels is that peace is possible today for all with true faith in Jesus. And I'm phrasing this very intentionally to align with what those angels are declaring. So peace, it's exactly what they say, right? Peace, calm, tranquility, harmony, Peace is possible. And the reason it's possible is because it's not, it's not for everyone. Notice that. It's peace among those with whom. So there's a certain group of people. It's, it's technically possible for everyone, but only realized by those with whom. We'll get to the next part in a second. But it's possible today meaning right now on this earth. Right? Not just in the future, in eternity, yes, there, but also right now amidst whatever's going on in your life on this earth. And today, not just future, today, peace is possible today for all with. So now we're going to go back to the among those with whom in Luke 2.14. And the language there is with whom those with whom he is pleased. So who's that a reference to? Does that mean I need to do a bunch of things in order to please God, to be among those with whom he is pleased? I need to go to church and read the Bible and pray and do good things. You start going to that, that line of thinking. It's like, well, okay, how much do I need to do? Maybe the more I do, the better chance I have of pleasing God. But doesn't that become the problem? Because who, is, who of us ever feels like we're doing enough? How many of us live with this constant, ah, oh, I, I should be praying more, should be reading the Bible more, I should be doing that, I should be doing. Like religious motion doesn't lead to peace with God. Tireless performance for God actually leads us away from peace with God. And this is how so many people try to live the Christian life. And it doesn't lead to peace, tranquility, harmony, calm with God. So how is that peace possible? And the answer in this declaration and all over the Bible is that peace is possible today for all with true faith. Now I'm using the word true here just to emphasize we're not talking about nominal faith, faith in name only, which we talk often about is a plague across contemporary Christianity. So many people who say they believe in Jesus, but their lives look just like everybody else in the world. You just kind of tack on Jesus on Sundays, even that occasionally. 
But that's not true faith. It's not biblical faith. And it doesn't lead to peace. Like, big deal that you believe in Jesus or in God. Even the demons have that kind of faith. They're counterparts to these angels. They don't have this peace. They're in constant conflict. And so will your life be with half-hearted, casual, nominal faith. Peace is possible today for all with true faith in Jesus, the Savior, Christ the Lord, who was born that day. And what Luke 2.14 is telling us is the reason he came was to bring peace to all those who put their faith in him. Now, the rest of the Bible teaches this. Real quick overview of the peace Jesus brings to all who place their faith in him. This could be a whole other sermon, a few sermons, but really on three levels. I'll just hit them real quick. Like one, peace with God. Two, peace within ourselves. And three, peace with others. Jesus came to bring all three. That's what peace is here. I think about it. Peace with God. This is Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have there's the language, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Peace with God. This is the most important kind of peace possible. Peace with God. You're a creator. No more enmity with God. No more conflict with God. No more tension with God. Peace, harmony, tranquility with God. That's possible. How? Not by works, by doing enough of this or that, by praying a certain amount of time or giving them out or whatever. No, by faith. It says it twice. By faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is such good news. Talk about reason to sing. Even though you are a sinner, by faith in Jesus, you don't have to be afraid of God. No matter what you have done, In your life, by faith in Jesus, you don't have to be ashamed before God. No matter what this world says to you or about you, by faith in Jesus, you are welcomed and loved by God. By faith in Jesus, you have peace with God. Like, sign me up. And, and, so then it keeps going, and peace within yourself. We study this. A little over a year ago, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus says the same thing. If you remember, we studied Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 33, on the first day when our country was shut down due to COVID. Or Jesus three times says, do not be anxious, do not be anxious, do not be anxious. And Jesus says, because your father loves you and he promises to provide you everything you need. And we talked that day about different definitions and understandings of anxiety, including medical conditions like clinical anxiety. And we talked about how the way the Bible is using the word anxiety here is referring to, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to put this definition back up on the screen just as a reminder. When the Bible uses that word anxiety or sometimes the You see it as the word worry as a substitute. It's describing carrying concerns in this world in such a way that we lose perspective on life and or we lack trust in God. And I bring this back today just to make the connection with what these angels are declaring. They are 
sang from the skies that peace, freedom from carrying concerns in this way is possible through faith in Jesus. Like today, right here in your life, it's filled with potential worries and filled with potential uncertainties and struggles and challenges that all threaten your peace. Jesus came to give you a peace that surpasses all understanding as you trust in him through true faith in him. Again, nominal, casual, kind of monotonous religious motion doesn't lead to that kind of peace. True faith in Jesus leads to this kind of peace. I think about multiple conversations I've had this week with brothers and sisters going through really hard times. And every time the Spirit is just brought to my mind, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 and 4, just prayed this over them. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. What a picture. Make the connection here. Because Jesus is the Lord. He is the everlasting rock. So keep your mind stayed on Jesus, fixed on him and his love for you and his promises to you and bring all the things that are heavy on your heart to him. Cast all your anxieties, your burdens, your cares upon him and he will keep you in perfect peace. Oh, do that today. Do that during the season of your life. If you're walking through trials, this, this is a Christmas message that you can take all your anxieties and all your burdens to Jesus and he will bear them for you. He will guard your heart and your mind. He will protect you. He will give you a peace that surpasses understanding. All of that is only possible through faith in Jesus. Jesus came to give you peace with God, peace within yourself, and peace with others. This is the third kind of peace Jesus came to bring us. And it may be the hardest because it's the kind of peace we have the least control over. This is why Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So based on God's command to work toward peace, and Jesus provision of that peace through what he did in his coming and living and dying and rising from the grave. I want to exhort you to consider any relationships you have where there is not peace and to work for peace in them. Amen. Especially here at the holidays when we often spend time with family, spend time with family and there's sometimes strain that exists in certain family relationships. I want to encourage you, based on the entire purpose of Jesus coming, to pursue peace to the fullest extent possible. In the words of Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. That is not easy, especially when you've been hurt by someone. But it's possible. How? Through true faith in Jesus. True faith in Jesus. Not, again, nominal, just casual, on the side faith. Like true faith in Jesus unlocks the power to pursue peace, even when it's hard. 
And even when your efforts at peace are put right back in your face. It happened to Jesus too. So keep your faith fixed on him. And even when you're wronged, don't let bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander or malice have a place, have any hold in your heart because none of those things lead to peace. Instead, just fix your eyes back on where we started at the amazement, the fact that we have peace with God. Follow this. Instead of being angry at all the ways you have been wronged, be amazed that God has forgiven all your wrongs. And he's made peace possible today for you, no matter what this world brings. And so it makes sense then, doesn't it? To sing, hark, listen, pay close attention. The herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconcile to one another, to each other. Oh, pay close attention to what these angels are heralding. Unto you and me, unto us was born that day in that city a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So give God all your glory. Live all your life in love worship to him. Sing a song like this, not like you're bored or like it's mindless tradition. Sing a song like this because you got reason to sing glory to the newborn king. And then as you sing with all the stuff in your life, truly trust in Jesus for peace that surpasses all understanding now and peace that will never, ever, ever end. So, will you bow your heads with me? I just want to go straight to God, each of us in this room, other locations, online, like wherever you are, just let's pause before God in light of his word to us. I just want to ask you where you're sitting right now, do you have peace with God? Is there peace, is there calm, is there tranquility in your heart before God? It's only possible through faith in Jesus. And so, I want to invite you, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, to say right now to God, I want your peace. I want peace with you. To confess, to say to God in your heart right now, God, I know I've sinned against you. And there's no amount of things I can do to get rid of that sin on my own. I need a Savior. And just say in your heart to God, I trust today in Jesus as Savior, as Christ, as the Lord. You put your faith in him, and God forgives you of all your sin and brings you into peaceful relationship with him that will never end. Oh, trust in Jesus today. Truly trust in him. And Christian brothers, sisters, amidst our temptations and tendencies to try to please God with our performance in ways that don't lead to peace, or 
amidst all the anxieties and worries that can fill our minds and hearts, can we just say together to God in a fresh way today, we trust in you. We trust that you keep those in perfect peace whose minds are stayed on you. God, I pray for all my brothers and sisters in Christ today amidst whatever they're walking through. I pray that they would know your peace. I pray they would experience your peace within their hearts and minds. Guard their hearts and minds from all the adversaries' temptations to worry, reminding of what's uncertain here or there. God, we praise you that all the things that are most certain, most important, are sure and eternal in you. So keep our minds stayed on you. Help us trust in you, our everlasting rock. And we pray. We pray for peace with others. We pray for that. Whatever ways are needed, oh God, help us to, as far as it depends on us, pursue peace with others. All in a way that leads others to listen and pay attention and give glory to you. Lord, help us to herald this good news this week. We pray that this week you would use us to lead other people to Jesus, especially over the next week and a half as we gather together on Sundays and on Christmas Eve and have many conversations, coworkers, neighbors, friends, family, help us to herald this good news. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.